the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Intelligent. Conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Rolling into hour two with the best crew ever, and that is you, my friends and family who are listening. Whether you're listening in your car, on the stream, any of the cool devices out there, whether you're going to be listening tomorrow on the podcast, on the replay crew, you can get the podcast anywhere where you download your pods. And if you're also commenting and watching and listening on the Facebook live stream, love you all. In fact, I'm going to read some comments because y'all had me. You're carrying me there as I couldn't remember because I'm sick. Y'all know that I had the Marine Corps hymn memorized and complete on my toy organ, but for some reason I couldn't come up with the lyrics earlier. So shout out to you guys. I'm going to read some comments here in a moment. 888-344-1170 is the number to call in live. Email me at Andrea K Show. I also like to read those comments during the show as well. And then we're also going to be giving out the 24-hour hotline in a moment. So many different ways you can be a part of the show, and we just appreciate it. Um, every different aspect and every different way that you do join us on the show. Speaking of joining the show for the first time is Stella Morabito from The Federalist. Super excited to chat with her. I told you guys in the last hour about the topic and about her book. It is The Weaponization of Loneliness, How Tyrants Stoke Our Fear of Isolation to Silence, Divide, and Conquer. It's all a psychological operation, my friends, and her book talks about one aspect of it, and she joins me now. Hi, Stella Morabito. Thank you for being here on The Andrea K Show. Uh, Andrea, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for writing this book. I'm intrigued by it. Um, tell everybody what you mean by the weaponization of loneliness and who the tyrants are who are taking advantage of it. Sure. Well, the, uh, the weaponization of loneliness really refers to how people are easily exploited through their very natural fear of ostracism, very natural fear of being socially rejected, uh, which is the flip side of our human need to be connected uh, with other people. And so it's very easily exploited uh, by tyrants, and by tyrants I mean anyone who uh, would take advantage of you uh, and, uh, you know, against have you doing things against your better judgment. In this case, I talk a lot about um, you know, the political correctness and identity politics and mob agitation that all serve what I call the machinery of loneliness that uh, gets people to actually shut up about what they believe or even lie about what they believe. And that kind of self-censorship is really dangerous to a civil society. Well, it is very dangerous. And, and ultimately, it's 
uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if it, it, to me, it almost is a form of a, just a different take on Mao's uh, struggle sessions, right? You know, if we, if, if you're espousing an ideology or, or a belief or a narrative that doesn't go with the, you know, the, the government line, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make you miserable until you say what we want you to say. Well, that's exactly right, Andrea. What happens is, like in a struggle session, if your listeners know, these were uh, just uh, really nasty uh, events during the Cultural Revolution uh, of Chairman Mao in Communist China. It went from 66 to 76, so it wasn't that long ago. And, and, And the Red Guard, these were mobs of youth, uh, millions of them who were deployed to get people with the program of, uh, you know, communism, of, uh, to, to really beat and ridicule and humiliate. I mean, it was really horrible what they did to people as mobs, uh, to get them to shut up or confess, uh, sins. Many times they wouldn't even have committed or done anything. Uh, but, you know, were accused of being counter-revolutionaries and so on and so forth. So, yeah, there's that. There's that. Uh, we can feel some of that. Obviously, it's not quite as bad, but you saw it during a lot of those riots in 2020 where people were surrounded at restaurants and told to raise their fists in solidarity with, you know, the, 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 the current thing. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a psychological operation meant to push forward only one narrative. And uh, that's the kind of thing we're looking at when people attack free speech. Well, yeah, and it's, and it's part of cancel culture. And we see that playing out mobs on social media, if, if they will go after and take down a Roseanne Barr. I mean, she lost her entire franchise. She created that TV show, and she lost it because of a tweet about Valerie Jarrett. But the mob came for her, right? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's just one example. We've got average Americans. Mobs are coming for them because, you know, the uh, they're being unleashed by the Democrats and saying, hey, go after anybody. Um that doesn't go along with, with, with what the left wants. We saw that with COVID. We've seen it with, um, with teachers who don't espouse a certain narrative, uh, in schools. I mean, we see the cancel culture. This has been going on for years now. And, you know, I don't know what the solution is. I, you know, I thought maybe, maybe the solution would be that, you know, we force the Democrats to play by the rules, but you know what? The Democrats are taking out some of their own too. Um, because it's ultimately, because it's ultimately about their narrative. It's not about any individual. No, that's right. And in fact, we're not really allowed to see people as individuals. I mean, if you look at what identity politics does in terms of how it divides people, just by demographic and all of this crazy intersectionality stuff where you're, you, you're scored based on, you know, how many victim points you have and so on and so forth, you're not really allowed to look at human beings as individuals with their own unique personalities anymore as a result of identity politics. And that's all part of this. Political correctness, another component of what I call the machinery of loneliness, and of course, mob agitation that enforces it all. And demonization is really the common theme that runs under all of this. Uh, and usually what are used are demonizing words. You know, you've heard them all. Bigot, hater, conspiracy theorist, white supremacist. Uh, you know, they pull out this phobic, that phobic, the, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things are just used to 
to trigger your conformity impulse to shut up and obey. And mm-hmm. as I said a little while ago, the self-censorship, when we comply, you know, we think we're getting a little bit of relief from that ostracism, and maybe that's true for a little bit, but really what we're doing is digging ourselves deeper into isolation as a society. When everybody goes with that and shuts up about what they believe and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, doesn't allow for the cross-pollination of ideas, that's what you get. And it gets more and more oppressive. So, you know, we've got to snap out of it. Yeah, we're talking to Stella Morabito, uh, author of The Weaponization of Loneliness, How Tyrants Stoke Our Fear of Isolation to Silence, Divide, and Conquer. It's our human nature to want to be liked. It's our human nature to want to fit in, right? Everybody mm-hmm. wants to know what's trendy, so they wear what's trendy, and uh, they go see trendy movies, and they all use, you know, America likes to use the same colloquialisms or little, like, you know, clever sayings. I mean, there's just something about our human nature. I guess it's the tribal in us. I guess it's just that we were meant to be socially connected and physically connected as human beings, and that's being that's being exploited. Um, I, I, you know, it's the identity politics is interesting because um, Nikki Haley right now. I, you know, I heard somebody say yesterday, here she she should be heralded by the left, right? Because she's a woman. She checks a lot of boxes, right? She's a woman, and she's a woman of color, and she comes from a family of immigrants. And yesterday, I heard somebody describe her saying that it was on MSNBC, and he's like, she uses her brown skin as a weapon against other brown people and i thought what and they literally called her a white supremacist oh yeah well wasn't there like when larry elder was running in uh the governor <laughs> they called him the the black face of white supremacy or something with <laughs> yeah. some uh, la times columnist no i mean that's if you don't go with the narrative I mean, you know, you're you're uh, you're the target. I mean, this happened even with this guy. I don't know if you remember when Joe Biden was being interviewed by some. Um, he was a big podcaster, black, named uh, Charlemagne the God. I don't know if you oh, remember yeah. that in 2015. Oh, yeah. And 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 he said, well, he's going to consider all the candidates, you know. And and uh, and Biden sh- uh, shot at him. Well. If if you think about voting for Trump, you ain't black or something like that. You know, if you, yeah. if you're even and, it, you know, it was like he's saying this to um, a black host who's certainly not conservative. But if you stray even a tiny, tiny bit, yeah, uh, the guns, the guns are all out for you. So yeah. um, it, it's it's really a dangerous trap. To, well, it is. Um, and I think when it comes to the minority uh, community, um, black conservatives are so ostracized. They're so oh, attacked. Yeah. Call the abs- absolutely the worst, most despicable names. And they want them ostracized as a oh, way yeah. to get them back under compliance and back under submission. And it's, and it's so, it's so, um, racist. It, it really is. And, and, you know, what's so amazing is the strength of character that these black conservatives have. I mean, uh, none on the left could ever match it. I mean, that they could be, that they're not back down. I mean, you think of Clarence Thomas and Ben Carson and, you know, all of, all of these, uh, Thomas Sowell, all of these actual giants of thought and philosophy and, and um, and how they are, uh, and, and you know, Ben Carson. I mean, he was a pediatric uh, neurosurgeon. 
you know, and it, it's just amazing to me that they would be trashed because yeah. they they don't uh, they just don't go along with the narrative. So that's what you have, and it's really dehumanizing uh, to anybody who just wants to think their own thoughts and express them. Uh, I mean, that's what the First Amendment was designed for, that we could, and, and it's des- it was designed so that we could actually have a civil society. Um, you know, if, you, if people can't express what they're thinking or express their thoughts openly, they can't really have relationships, if you think about it. You can't have no because no because then then you're emulating a, a a domestic violence situation to where you know uh, wifey is walking on eggshells because if she says something hubby doesn't like she gets cold cocked in the middle of the kitchen you know and that's you know? that's that, right I mean isn't that kind of oh, where yeah. we're at right now you say something that's somebody a, yeah that's an excellent picture that you just uh, uh, portrayed um, Andrea. It's like it's a gaslighting kind of situation like that. It's uh, abusive, yeah. and we, we really shouldn't be taking it anymore. Uh, and, and I just think that what's the solution, yes. I don't know really, what the, but I do believe that real connection, uh, the cultivation of real friendship is key to freedom. I've often said that, and you have to have free speech in order to have relationships in order to develop friendships so we have to understand that free speech is use it or lose it and the cultivation of just you know having this cross-pollination ideas talking to one another and i mean tyrants cannot abide that they cannot survive in a society in which people have strong families and joyful friendships and and people feel able to just kind of you know, talk to one another and that right. they don't want us talking to one another is really what it amounts to. And we, and that's what we've got to do. And what we've got to, uh, all Americans have to do in conservatives is we have to realize that we're dealing with bullies. And what do you do with a bully? You punch them back figuratively <laughs> and then they cave. Stop being scared to speak your mind, speak your mind openly and they're, they're, they're canceling people because they're getting away with canceling people. So we've got to be, and we've got to do it in a way that is, you know, um, still respectful. I don't, I don't call people names, but we've got, we've got to be speaking our mind all day, every day. Open up as many social media accounts as you can and just start speaking your mind, speaking your mind and speaking your mind. And we, that's one of the ways we can take our power back. Um, uh, some comments here. On Facebook Live, yeah, it says they want to intimidate, undermine, and shut us up. Absolutely. And that's why we got to keep talking. That's why we keep... Uh, Elaine says the name-calling is just the opposite effect on me, and if name-calling is all you bring to the table, you've lost the argument. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. we got to stay calm, and we got to keep speaking our mind. And I love the book. It's the a Weaponization of Loneliness, How Tyrants Stoke Our Fear of Isolation to Silence, Divide, and Conquer. Um, you can follow her on Twitter at Stella underscore Morabito. Thanks for being here tonight. Hope you'll come back. Oh, thank you so much, Andrea. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. Take good care. All right. Now, who is this? Uh, we, I, I talked about him a couple nights ago. Who is this Vivek Ramaswamy? I've got a little bit of information about him to share with you guys. Don't go away. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. So suddenly out of the blue, we see this guy kind of everywhere. Vivek, I think he's had to say his name, Vivek, I'm not sure, Ramaswamy, right? I first saw this guy on uh, a Facebook page of, fr- of a friend of mine, uh, Scott McKay out of uh, Baton Rouge. He's writer for American Spectator. He's, uh, he's been on the show many times, The Hayrides, friend of mine out of BR. And he was like digging this guy. And I thought, I got it. Okay, okay. Um, we'll see. Hadn't heard of him. This was before he announced he was going to run in 2024. And then I thought, then I saw that he was on Tucker, very articulate, um, saying all the right things that sounds like a great conservative and thinking, oh, you know, fresh blood. And you know, I love the idea, the more the merrier, because I think it holds everybody accountable, sharpens everybody's edges. And it's just, you know, a, a, a good thing. Uh, the more that that uh, join the race and you know present ideas. Um, on tomorrow night's show, we've got I've got an, an author um, Murray Sabrim Sabrin who's going to be on. He's author of From Immigrant to Public Intellectual in American Story, and he is going to be on to share everything we need to know about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, here's a couple of things that we know uh, that I know so far, um, and I can't wait to talk to uh, Mr. Sabrin on tomorrow night's show about him. Uh, he's got uh, long ties to George Soros. He was nominated and selected as a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader in 2021. Is there anything else I need to know about him before I say no? Get off the stage. I think you've already made up my mind. Right, Skins? I mean, hello, this guy. That's everything that we're going against. Everything we're going against. Everything. You you are a world economic global leader, and you think you're going to call yourself a conservative and get a vote for me? You're not a conservative. No. Um. According to this, his Wikipedia page deleted that uh, that information. Uh, about his longtime association with Soros and his religion. I don't know what that was. Um, when it comes to China, uh, he said that he would reorient all supply chains away from China when he was on with Tucker Carlson. However, um, he was a featured speaker at a Shanghai investment conference in 2018. He's launched companies out of China and forged partner and formed partnerships with Chinese firms. Um, let's see what he had to say about COVID-19 and the mRNA. He's a biotech entrepreneur. Um, he's a big proponent, supposedly, of the mRNA shots. So we're going to learn more about him tomorrow, and I think it's really important because the very idea that this guy is, and I think uh, somebody's putting on here that uh, on Facebook, uh, just to read a couple comments, Elaine says, too young at 35 for the job. He would be a great addition to the next president's cabinet, though. Um, I don't know, given what I'm reading here about him, Elaine. Um, she says he has renounced the ties to World Economic Forum in print and interviews. Um, and uh, I don't know. He sounds, you know, so did... Uh, so did uh, uh, what's her name? Um, I would need to hear about that directly and why he he did that. So yeah, Tulsi Gabbard did too. 
right? Tosi Gabbard, like, I didn't know nothing about me being nominated as, as a global leader for World Economic Forum. Sister friend, you retweeted it, acting all proud about it. <laughs> now you're trying to act like you don't know nothing about it. So um, I feel like, look, at this point, um, you know, uh, you know, he's trying to he's trying to wipe clean using Hillary Clinton's cloth to wipe away his ties to Soros. Look, we'll hear what this with this author who's dug into his background. We'll hear what he has to say about him tomorrow night. Um, we got to be very careful. We need to be doing our due diligence. We need to not be jumping on like we tend to do as conservatives. If somebody new comes along and they sound great and, you know, they're talking like they're a conservative or they say something on a position we like, like Joe Rogan, you know, or Elon Musk. And, you know, we tend to we tend to sometimes see what we want to see, hear what we want to hear. Right. So, like I said, I like the more the merrier, but we got to do a deep dive into this guy. Um, so you got to get um, below the surface. Someone, anybody can call themselves a conservative. Absolutely. Got to get below the surface. All right. We're going to take a skinny, tiny little breaky. When we come back, what's going on in California? What's the latest bit of insanity in regards to a continuing to push that America is racist? We're going to share that with you on the other side of the break. Don't go away. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. I'm going to read a few uh, Facebook Live comments here. Um, Sandra asked, did Gator go on vacation with you? No, he did not because Mama needed a vacation from Gator. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to get away, right? Um, Yasmin says about... Um, Vivek, uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, Gorka, Elaine says Gorka has had Vivek on his show multiple times. Um, interesting. All right. I'll have to listen to see, um, what, uh, those interviews were about. Um, Elaine also says lots of maintenance and lack of oversight in many industries, but keep in mind the left's, um, mantra, never let a good crisis do- go to waste. I still want to know how and why a dispatcher was allowed to override the train engineer's request to stop the train 40 miles before the derailment. Good question there. A uh, good question there. Um, all right, guys. Um, I have never seen a police dog. Uh, in action really in my life. Um, I don't really think I've seen a whole lot beyond just them being, um, I think I've seen like a couple of times, you know, in California, we have all these high speed chases. And a lot of times you'll see when they finally, um, you know, catch up with somebody, there will be police cars that got a canine in the back. What'll happen is they'll kind of catch up. Um, the guy will get out and start running away and a canine will catch up and, 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 uh, you know, help apprehend the guy. That's about the most that I've, I ever see, um, with police dogs. I've never actually seen, I don't think I've ever actually seen a police dog attack an individual. Um, I think that they're a great tool for apprehending somebody that's on foot and running away, right? And they're a necessary tool to bring somebody to justice. In, in the form of a non-lethal threat. And this is something that's, that's been very useful for the police for a long time, as well as the military per, p- police. Um, however, that does not stop California from finding a problem with these police dogs. Uh, did you know, Skins, that police dogs were racist? Um, just about everything is nowadays. That doesn't surprise me. 
Well, I, you know, if I don't know if if it's because they're German shepherds, I don't know if it's the breed that's the problem. But nevertheless, um, Assembly Bill seven forty two, um, which is backed by the NAACP and the ACLU. Uh, would ban the use of police canines for arrests and for crowd control. They'll still be able to be used for bomb sniffing and trying to sniff out cadavers and, and other such, but, th- but they, the, they would ban the use, uh, for police activity involving arrest. Here's the reason why. Because according to the NAACP and the ACLU, the use of police canines have been a mainstay in America's history of racial bias and violence against black Americans and people of color. Um, so, Andrea, suddenly, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, if there's a bomb situation, suddenly uh, they lose all their racist tendencies? Well, they they will continue to use them for bombs. Well, that's for what I mean. So, bomb, you know, so obviously bombs. when there's a bomb involved, they're not racist anymore. No, no. They're only racist when it comes to apprehensions of bad guys, right? And when it comes to arrest. Um uh, according to uh, Corey, Assemblymember Corey Jackson, this bill, quote, this bill seeks to end a deeply ra- racialized, traumatic and harmful practice by uh, prohibiting of police canines for arrest, apprehension and crowd control. When was the last time any canine was used to go and attack black people? Give me one instance, Corey Jackson, pre-civil rights. He goes on to say, um, or this article goes on to say, injuries caused by police canines accounted for nearly 12% of cases that resulted in serious injury or death. 12%? That ain't ain't exactly a huge number. I guess they could replace them with a bullet. Of those canine cases, nearly two-thirds involved people who were black or Latina. Can I ask why? Were they doing something? All that matters to me, I don't care about that. What matters to me is, because these you're just telling me how many people involved, what the color of the skin was of the people involved. Now tell me what percentage of those people were innocent and not in, in the act of doing something that they shouldn't have been doing. Because if you are under arrest and you're not resisting arrest and you're not running away, why would they sick a canine on you? Black people, according to this, were 2.6 times more likely to be seriously injured than white people. Okay. Why? It's true that um, black people are a smaller percentage of the population, but commit a higher percentage of the crimes. Could that be why? Jackson goes on to say, from the brutal attempts to quell the civil rights movement, Black Lives Matter protests, and their day-to-day use in law enforcement, police canines remain in gross misuse of force, victimizing black and brown people disproportionately. Uh, AB 742 would change that. It would make it even harder for the police to do their job. It would make it even easier for criminals to commit crimes and get away with it. And that's the point behind this. That's the point behind this. This is just another attempt to hamstring the police in order to facilitate, enable, and encourage uh, certain members of our society to be able to commit crimes and get away with it. Andrea, I know so many people that uh, have people in their families or some personally that were cops and retired or that wanted to be cops and said, no, thank you, because they don't feel like they could do their job. Right. Ron Cloward, a retired lieutenant with Modesto Police Department, 
and president of Western States Police Canine Association, told KCRA 3 that he believes the bill, quote, makes no sense and that police dogs are an invaluable, non-lethal part of agencies across the country. He says it's a tool, and it's something that if we take it away, you're just eliminating one more non-lethal weapon for law enforcement. He owns and operates a canine training and consulting business. He said that the multi-week courses he offers have have evolved to focus on de-escalation tactics. Um, He says, what's the alternative? Someone laying in a morgue with a gunshot wound? Yeah. So this is just nonsense. Uh, Getting back to our Facebook Live friends. Edward Strine says, a majority of African-Americans killed are killed by African-Americans in Chicago. True. Um, Elaine says, how about all who are worried about this issue just not break the law or engage in activities that give the appearance of breaking the law? Good point. She also says banning canine is a, ser- is a serious officer safety issue, both for police, fire, and EMS. Another great point. Uh, Elaine says she has seen canines in action multiple times. I've never not seen a suspect not lay down and comply when the dog is released. Good point. All great points. All right, going to take our final break. When we come back, let's talk about equity. Speaking of equity, right, we got some equity teams about to be unleashed. There was an executive order signed today by President Biden related to just this issue, an equity force about to be unleashed. And we will share that with you when we come back. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. I was just checking on Instagram, looking at some food videos, and of course. And then I came across my hair gal. My gal has been doing my hair for many years here in San Diego, has left me. She's abandoned me. Uh, she and her husband have been reassigned. Her husband's in the military. He worked uh, for Airbus here. In fact, he got to go to the special screening for Top Gun Maverick um, because he was working for the Airbus here. Well, they got reassigned to Italy. They're, they just moved to Napoli. They've only been there a couple of days. And it got me thinking, if you were to leave America, what country would you go to? Skins? Are you just Any talking idea? just because of love of the country or, you know, it... Like, you know, obviously you might want to move to a country, but their way of life and politics might not line up with yours. I I, I mean, like if you were to ever move away from America, say, you know what? I'm done with America. I'm done with America. Where would you go? Uh, put me in old world Japan somewhere like somewhere like Okinawa. I, I, I think Japan is one of the most beautiful countries on Earth. It's interesting. I, I, you know, it's it. I, I love this country so much, and there's a time in which I thought, you know, it'd be great if I could, you know, sell everything and go live, you know, on an island somewhere. But where was I thinking about going? The U.S. Virgin Islands, right? Because it's just I love this country. I can't imagine permanently moving. It's one thing to be like Miss Monica and her family. They're off for two years, maybe three, with the military assignment. Great opportunity, you know, to explore with her kids and. You know, they're in a, in a safe area, but we really are 
if 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 the United States, th- this is why it's so important we seal our border. It's so important we protect our economy and our economic system that made us the greatest country and the greatest economic force for good, the greatest superpower in the world, the one that provided the most humanitarian aid and economic aid for the rest of the world and the world's military. Because but for the U.S., where? Right. We If the U.S. goes down, who else? Right, because um, I can't really think of of another country um, that I would that I would want to go to permanently. Right, I could I could think of some other countries I'd go to temporarily, but with a political system that I would want to that I would with the look at the Italian look at the Italian justice system. Remember, um, gosh, what was her name? The young gal who was wrong wrongly charged with murder. Of uh, the roommate was Kircher, who was murdered, and um, yeah, I don't know this one. Oh, uh, Amanda Knox, Foxy Knoxy, she was wrongfully charged with murder, and over in Italy, they can charge. We have here, we have double double jeopardy. If you get charged with murder and they try you and you get found not guilty, the government doesn't get another crack at it. They prosecuted her and we're going to continue to go after her but for the fact that she she got out of the country before they could get another crack at it um where else is there a justice system where you're considered innocent to proven guilty in this world yeah i, love them all. I mean you, you know drive home a great point and unfortunately that is becoming less and less of an insur- of an assurance over here it is yeah when you look at the story that came out with this bozo going around bragging, and evidently I was wrong. Evidently, it's not illegal for somebody on the grand jury to be doing media, even though grand juries are supposed to be secret. That's a surprise for me. But evidently, the proceedings are supposed to be secret. You're not supposed to be going around yammering about what's going on inside the proceedings. Either way, it's clear that this grand jury that's been impaneled in Georgia is all about you know going after Trump. Right. We do not have our justice system has been morphed. It's been politicized and corrupted much in the same way every other institution has. And that's frightening. That's frightening. It never was perfect. One of the things that I've always loved so much about our judicial system is the fact that and I've always said I'd rather I like the burden of proof being on the U.S. government. And I would rather a, a guilty person go free than an, than an innocent person be railroaded. And we literally saw Kyle Rittenhouse be railroaded. We saw prosecu- blatant prosecutorial misconduct in order to put a young man, an innocent young man who, was, who they knew was defending himself. They wanted to put him behind bars as a political statement. We still have pol- political prisoners in this country. We talked earlier to Reggie Little John, who talked about teachers in New York that were classified basically as criminals because they didn't want and, and their fingerprints were sent to the FBI because they didn't get the shot. That shouldn't be happening in this country. We've had t- parents that spoke up at school board meetings now classified as domestic terrorists. Hey, anybody watch uh, watching that Alec Murtaugh trial? I don't know if you guys are into it. I'm not as into it as I thought it was going to be. This is not a trial, really, that I watched some of it today, but... It's just not really captured me the way some other trials have done. But evidently, uh, like I, I, I clicked on Fox News today to check the news and their top story was Alec Murdoch sitting there with like this long four inch stream of snot coming out of his nose. And by the way, I think the guy completely did it. Um, I think that he's trying to Amber Heard 
uh, the jury turning the chair to them and thinking that he's going to, you know, do some bad acting in, in order to convince them he didn't do it. Um, uh, if you guys are following the trial, if you care about it, let me know. What do you think? You think he's guilty or innocent? Um, what you are know, your thoughts? You know, and we talked about it a while ago, Andrea, and I know it seems maybe a little silly to some out there, but uh, you and I both loved the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial because that showed that the system here, it, you know, as broken as it is at times, it still works. It works when it's worked the right way, right? It works when you have two teams of, of, of attorneys that are skilled, when you have a judge who's committed to the Constitution and the rule of law and the rules of the road and court uh, proceedings, who holds both sides um, to. Uh, the rules of the road and equally applies uh, discovery principles and rules of evidence. Um, it absolutely. Um, it was fa- it, it, even if you you're not a fan of either party. It was a fascinating trial to watch. It, absolutely, it was so because um, it was so done according to the way our judicial system is supposed to work. It was such an amazing education as to our courts. And why our system is so great and what what innocent to proven guilty means and um, what evidence is admissible and why not what what why an objection would be um, sustained and why it would be overruled because this judge that judge kept such a tight ship in part because she's former military right. And it was just such an education process and, and it got so many people interested in law, right? Because they got to see really good lawyering and uh, it was absolutely fascinating. Well, I mean, my uh, son's I, not typically not even into that type of stuff, Andrea. He literally watched it every single day that it was broadcast. Right. Um, getting back to uh, Facebook. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm reading some comments here. Some people are weighing in on on where they would go if they had to leave. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Elaine says she's watched some of the trial. That family was really screwed up. Uh, yeah. Um, there's a lot that's not being let in. Evidently, there's a Netflix uh, documentary out. Um, I had already, you know, where uh, Paul's uh, ex-girlfriend is claiming he tried to strangle her. Um, yeah, there's uh, that was obviously not being uh, discussed in the trial. But, um, yeah, just <sighs> I'm not digging that family and their entitlement. Um, <laughs> Elaine says that Georgia grand jury jurors sounded like she had single digit <laughs> IQ. <laughs> um, in terms of, uh, pardon me. Oh, well, I'll I'm going to go on to air. Phone. Francisca's on the phone. Francisca's on the phone. Girl, talk to me. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, worry. <laughs> like always. Anyway, so I have a telephone number for the capital switchboard, so we start calling now. And the telephone number is one eight six six two two zero 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 four four. And so when you call them, in my experience, because I'm always calling them, they told me, can, "Do you have more people to call? You tell people to call me because they have a mathematical thing that they know." When they have to worry if a lot of people call. So give us, please, uh, can you give us that number again, Francesca? This is the capital switchboard for your senators. I, I'm thinking this is senators. I'm thinking, but you call. I will call everybody. The capital switchboard number is one eight six six two two zero 
800-800-0044. Yeah, we need to be calling. We need to get on the phone, particularly as it relates to this um, this uh, Vax passport that's coming. passport is real. It's real because I remember they, they, they pushed back, and now they I saw them how they approve it in Europe, and now it's, it's here. But you see, the key is for us to be on top of their game. And so yep. if we call right now, we block them. We block yes. them because we put pressure against everyone legally. Legal, not just my opinion. Hey, listen to me because I have nothing else to do. No, legally. And I make you responsible for if you pass these things legally. Yep. We need to be on the phone, um, whether whether you're mostly concerned about this World Health Organization treaty that's coming in the Vax passports and the digital gulag, whether it's whether your issue you're yeah. mostly concerned Let about is the you. open border, whatever, what you know, we've got we uh, whether it's, um, you know, about the transing of kids in our schools and education. Um, yeah. I don't care which issue is most important to you, which you, I don't care which one what? fire gets you fired in your belly. All y'all out there need to be doing what Francisca is suggesting and be. Yeah. On the, the, other, the other, the other, the other, the other big thing is that the guy from Pfizer. Remember the uh, the um, uh, Veritas um, guy. Well, they, they had a follow him, and he's talking to Republicans. So if we don't put pressure, they put pressure, and the idea is if we more put pressure, then we'll win. But if we don't yes. have enough people, you know, don't complain. That's right. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for calling Francisca. She's absolutely right. Um, we, we can't complain if we're not going to get out there and do something about it. Um, so we got to get on the phones. We also, you know what, it's not too soon to be thinking about running for office. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of dedication. And we can we, we can all do our part. Um, be thinking about be thinking about whether or not you want to make a run if you're in San Diego County. I was disappointed last year. We had, uh, I think it was, what was the number skins? Was it 140 seats in San Diego County where Democrats were It was at least above unopposed? 100 people, yeah. At least above 100. And we and Paula Witzel, from the, uh, who runs the San Diego County Republican Party, has a um, group of people coming out in March, I believe it is, to teach how to run for office. And that would be a great thing uh, to, to, to great class to take. Uh, Yasmin says Costa Rica maybe to move to if you're going to leave America or maybe Portugal. Elaine says every other country has issues. There's nowhere to run to. Hey, we got to run because tonight's show is over, but we will be back tomorrow. It will be Friday. Look forward to seeing you then. Thanks to my listeners, my callers, my guests, and I appreciate it. Love you all so much. Peace out. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.